family had the pleasure of meeting a man whose name was Garnet. And he was raised by a godly mother and a carousing father. And when he grew up, he took after his father. When we met him, he had already retired from his job as a um, maintenance and janitorial worker for our local school district. And the Lord got hold of his life in a wonderful way, using the example of his godly mother who had passed on many years before and through the continued prayers of his godly sisters. Garnet was sitting in his living room one Sunday morning and he was rocking back and forth in his rocking chair. And he had such a strong impression upon him. It was as though the Lord was saying to him, Garnet, what are you doing in this rocking chair? Get up and go to church. So Garnet got up, he went to church and he met Jesus that day. And he was wonderfully saved. Sorry. That gentleman had a learning disability, and he did not know how to read. But he so strongly wanted to read the Word of God that he would sit for hours every day at his dining room table so that he could read a chapter of Scripture. And he kept at it, and he kept at it, and he became a wonderful student of the Word of God. And when back in the day when churches still had Sunday evening services, if I would call out, who would like to read a passage of Scripture? His hand was the first one up. And Garnet would read. And he learned to read because he wanted to know the Word of God more than anything else in his life. And we are reminded of Jesus' conversation with his followers from the time between when he rose again from the dead and he ascended into heaven Jesus gave certain instructions for his followers so that they would experience his blessing and that they would be able to be empowered to carry on his mission. And Jesus speaks about the importance of Scripture and these final instructions that he gives to his disciples. And we'll read them in John 21, beginning at verse 15. This is when Jesus is restoring Peter after his threefold denial. He says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Lord, yes, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So Jesus is providing instructions for followers of Jesus in their relationship with him, as well as their mission of being used by Christ within their life spheres of trying to lead people to be closer to Jesus and his people, the church. And instrumental in that, three times, Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And the use of the, the metaphor, of course, Jesus is talking about feeding upon his word and using that word in the lives of other people so that they might know Christ and his will for their lives. And many resources exist. And we hear oftentimes on reading the Bible and the importance of it, we hear sermons about how we can read the Bible and different techniques for uh, getting through the Scripture in a profitable way. And those are all good studies. 
Now, all good kind of sermons, but what I would like for us to focus on this morning is our approach to Scripture when we go to read it, and our intention when we read Scripture that we find throughout the Gospel of John. And so this morning, uh, I want us to look, first of all, how we are to read God's Word with conviction. And you might be wondering, well, what does that mean? What, What kind of convictions are we supposed to have when we read the Scripture? I'd like to mention just a few of them, as I believe that they are very fundamental for profitable use of God's Word. The first one that we see is that we are to read the Bible, convinced that it is God's Word to us. One of the things that sets Christianity apart from all other world religions is that God is a God who makes Himself known. He manifests himself. He reveals himself to us. Most of the other religions of the world are descriptions of how people are trying to find God on their own. But through Jesus Christ, we see that God has revealed himself to us fully so that we can know him. God is a pursuing God. He is a revealing God that we might be able to know him. And one of the blessings that he has done throughout time is that when he has made himself known and the deeds that he has done to redeem us, he has often instructed his prophets and apostles to record that in the scriptures. So that when we sit down to read the Bible, we come at it with the recognition that this is the word of God given for us personally. It is not just some mere literature that we are reading from ancient times. This is God speaking to us. In John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying for the church, he prays to the Father and he asks, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I know that we live in a time where we are told that truth is relative that it's based upon the situation that you're in, that your truth may be good for you and another truth may be good for somebody else. And the important thing is, is that you follow your truth. When God has made himself known, when he has revealed truth to us, that is an absolute truth that applies to everybody at all times. God has spoken truth to us. When we read, like in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it says that all Scripture is inspired by God, the more modern translations say that is breathed out by God, we get this idea of inspiration that it refers to the human authors of Scripture being inspired to write. Now, certainly the Spirit of God influenced the writers, human authors of Scripture, used their experiences, their personalities, their educations and backgrounds, but he influenced them in such a way that what they wrote is the very word of God. When scripture talks about being inspired, it is the scriptures themselves that are inspired, not necessarily the human authors, so that what they wrote is precisely what God intended for us to know. In its scope and down to its very words, we have an extraordinary blessing in scripture. We take it for granted. 
It is not all that long ago, with just in the span of about 500 years, that people did not have the scriptures in their language. They did not have scriptures that they could hold. I can remember one time when a missionary came and spoke at our congregation. He was talking about how um, he brought a Muslim friend to his church, and he was appalled. His friend was appalled at the way Christians treated the scriptures. They, they threw it on the floor. They, they tossed it into the back of their car. And, and this Muslim friend was saying, if this is God's word, why are you treating it like this? Now, that may be a little extreme. I'm not saying that we have to venerate the book. But what I am trying to say is that we have an extraordinary blessing in the Bible, and God speaks to us through it. And that must be our understanding when we approach it. Mahatma Gandhi purportedly said of Christians, you Christians have in your keeping a document with enough dynamite in it to blow the whole of civilization civilization to bits, to turn society upside down, to bring peace to this war-torn world. But you read it as if it were just good literature and nothing else. Meanwhile, in John chapter 6, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples after the feeding of the 5,000, he said to them, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. When we come to the scriptures, we should come with the conviction that it is the very word of God given for us. In addition, another conviction that we should approach the scripture is that you read the Bible convinced that you need desperately to hear from God. I so appreciated that song that we sang just before the sermon, Abide, that it spoke so much of our dependence and our need upon the Lord. We live at a time of great blessing. We can very easily fall into the idea that we are self-sufficient, that we have made our lives what they are, but we haven't. So often we rely upon our own wisdom to figure out things in life, and certainly the Lord's given us a mind that we might be able to do so. But too often we only wait to go to the Lord when we are confronted with a situation that appears to be too big for us. The truth is, we need to hear from God every day. And as we read the word, there's an accumulative effect over time where we gain godly wisdom that is able to direct us in our course of life. Again, going back to John chapter 6, when Jesus, after feeding the 5,000, he, he told the people that, you know, you don't, you, you follow me because you've got something to eat. But what you really need to do is you need to eat my body and my flesh. He's talking about appropriating Christ to ourselves. And a mess of people left and deserted Jesus over that statement. And so Jesus turns to the 12 and he says to them, what about you? Are you going to leave too? And I love Peter's response in verse 68. He says, Lord, to whom are we going to go? You are the one who has the words of eternal life. It is that dependence, it is that need of Christ that would characterize our approach to Scripture. In C.S. Lewis's work, The Silver Chair, uh, there is a, a, a gal by the name of Jill who meets the lion, Aslan, who is the Christ figure. 
and they are high on top of a mountain, and Aslan has given Jill a quest to save a prince. And in order to save this prince, Aslan shares four signs for Jill to remember along the way. And these signs are the keys for her to accomplish the purpose for which Aslan has brought her to Narnia. Without following his words, she'll be lost. And so Aslan warns her. He says to her, first of all, remember, remember, remember the signs. When you get up in the morning, the signs should be the first thing that you think about. When you go to bed at night, the last thing that you think about should be the signs. And when you get awakened in the middle of the night, you should immediately think of the signs. Whatever strange things may happen to you, Aslan says to Jill, let nothing turn your mind from following the signs. And the second thing that he says is an additional warning. And he says to her that up here on the mountain, when you're alone and apart with me, my voice is very clear. Your understanding is very clear. But when you descend down into Narnia, the air gets thicker and things do not appear as quite as clear as they do up here. So take care not to confuse your mind. And the signs which you have learned here, even though they will not look the same You must follow them in order to accomplish um, your task of saving the prince. Now, in the book, there are times when Jill and her companions know the way. And in their self-confidence, they don't remember the signs. And they go on their own path. It is not even like they are trying to disobey Aslan. Rather, they do it and an attempt to complete the mission to save the prince. Their intentions are well, but the manner in which they're getting there has deviated from what Aslan has said to them. We too may think that we know better. We may have the right intention of following God's word, but we do not take the steps to remember it. And there are times where we think that we know better and we can accomplish what the Lord has called us to on our own wisdom but we desperately need Christ. We need to hear him speak to us as we approach his word. And also we see that we are to read the Bible convinced that God must help us to understand and believe it. You know, there are are people who who are not followers of Jesus who can read the Bible and they can gain a sense of its message, but it is not something that they personally embrace and fully understand on their own because the Spirit of God has not made them new in Christ and given them the ability to believe it. We must remember that the Spirit of God not only inspires, inspired the writing of the Scripture so that we have the Word of God, but the Spirit of God also illumines our minds and our hearts and our wills so that we can understand God's word. Jesus said it like this in chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, Jesus spoke those words before going to the cross. 
And he was reminding his followers that there was going to be a time that he was going to return to his father when he would ascend into the heavens, but he would send his spirit who would continue to guard them in all truth. And so when we come to the scriptures, we must come convinced of our need of the spirit's aid and understanding and living the word of God. A couple of weeks ago, when Pastor Morgan was preaching, he, he mentioned Psalm 119, verse 18, as his approach when he reads the Bible, where the psalmist says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And when we approach Scripture with that prayer, we can be sure that the Scripture, the Spirit, is going to guide us in the Scriptures. So not only must we approach God's word with certain convictions, we also must read God's word with clear intention. Why read the Bible? Why should we read the scriptures? Why should we take time from our busy days and to devote it to the reading of the word of God? Well, the first thing that we see is that we are to read the Bible for personal relationship with God. I began by saying that one of the uh, things that distinguishes Christianity from other world religions is that God is a self-revealing, self-disclosing God who makes himself known that we might be brought into relationship with him. In John chapter 1, the gospel begins with these words, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In other words, Jesus described here as the Word, is the one who is revealing the Father to us. And in verse 14 we read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So often in Christian circles, we can focus on the commandments, on the obligations of following God. And they're important, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. But all of those things have their important place, but they are aids that lead us in this primary aspect of reading Scripture. That is that we might get to know our Lord, that we might understand Him, So that when we come to Scripture, we pray and we ask God, make yourself known to me. What are you teaching me about yourself as I come to this passage of Scripture? John Piper says it so well when he writes, We must get beyond propositions and Bible verses to Christ. I do not mean get around Bible verses, but through Bible verses to Christ to the person, the living person, to know him, to cherish him, to enjoy him, trust him, and to be at home with him. I want to count him more to be desired than all the other things of life, more than wife, husband, children, success in career, leisure, vacations, health, food, sex, money. He is more precious than all. And we learn of this Christ by reading his word. And then we also see that the other intention, that we not only when we read Scripture intend to know Christ, but we read the Bible for personal action. Many years ago, when I I really started growing in my faith, a friend of mine gave me my first study Bible. And he wrote in the front of the study Bible this little phrase that has stuck with me ever since. He said, Dwight, Bible study is never complete. 
until it is applied to your life. And I have used the wisdom of that quote in my approach to Scripture as I seek to read the Bible, is that we're not just gaining and accumulating facts about who God is and what life is like and how we're to live, but we're seeking when we come to Scripture to come before God with the desire that He transform us to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. And John 17 and that prayer that, uh, that Jesus offered for the church that I mentioned before, he says in verse 16, 17 as he prays, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify means to be set apart, to be consecrated for God's use. And in verse 19, Jesus says something astonishing. He says, and for their sake, I consecrate myself. Well, obviously, there's no sin that Jesus has to separate himself from. So he is talking about devoting himself to the mission that his father gave him, to go to the cross to redeem his people from their sins. And he says that he consecrates himself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. When we speak of Christ's work on the cross, we so often think of him paying for the penalty of our sin that God satisfies the debt that our sin owed to God, which is absolutely right. But Jesus says that's just the beginning. That it enables us to be set apart, to be consecrated, to set apart ourselves from sin, and to follow after Christ. Jesus not only rescues us from the penalty of sin, but he also rescues us from its power and its pollution, that we may become holy even as he is holy. And that's why in John chapter 14, we read these familiar verses of Jesus. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but it is the father's who sent me. Jesus clues us in here on why it is that we obey the commandments. It's not so that we can earn brownie points that we can cash in like at the end of the day that the arcade where we get all the tickets and then we go in and we cash in and get our prizes. That's not the way our relationship with the Lord works. But we come to realize that we desire to express our gratitude to Christ for all that he has done for us by expressing our love to him by obeying his word. We Follow him. We obey him who laid down his life for us. That's the gratitude that we seek to express through the way in which we follow Jesus. Not that we earn forgiveness or we earn his blessing through obedience, but we express our love to him. And so that is the motivation when we read scripture and we see, oh man, I'm taking a loss here in my life. But we can repent of that sin. We can lay it aside and we can embrace Christ because we love him more. And it is the same way in which we use our gifts and service as we read the word and we see, you know what? I'm called to love other people and I see the Lord asking me to do this and I'm going to sacrifice some of my own personal time and, and, and interests so that I can pursue Christ and serve his people. There are so many ways in which when we come to scripture and we approach the Lord to know him, that he will show us ways in which by his power, we can be changed for his glory. My friend Garnet, that I told you about at the beginning of the, of the sermon, 
oftentimes would express his impatience. Why don't people read the Bible more? And I would have to say to him, Garnet, remember just where you were a little while ago. You weren't reading the Bible either. We're all in different places in our spiritual growth and journey. But oh, how we should all embrace that desire that we would read the Word of God more, that we would feed and nurture our souls, and that the Lord would use us in our spheres of influence, that we might be able to share that Word with others. May that be true of our lives. May that be true of Westtown Church, that we would be known as a congregation who follows Christ through His Word. Let us pray.